Good evening, friends. Welcome back to the front porch. My name is Dennis Rogers, and I'm joined, as always, by Michael Daniels. How's it going, Mike? How was your alternate Monday? Pretty good, Dennis. Um, happy post-Halloween. Uh, you don't. Mm-hmm. You, I'm sure you're not like me and still in a sugar coma from all the sugar that's happened. I, actually, I don't have a whole lot, but my my kids have so much candy. It's just so. Mm. Yeah, I I will say I think um, as people our age graduated from kids to adults they've i think for the most part most of them have learned to not be jerks and give like just dumb dums and hard candy and stupid halloween candies i don't know why it took so many generations to pass by before people realized that kids want chocolate you know they want mm. and, and not get and that yeah, you, you're bad I mean. if you give out the crappy candy you know i'll say when i was a kid um pure chocolate was not my favorite favorite thing yeah. um I alternated between uh, almost anything with peanut butter. Yeah, um, I like peanut butter at the at the high at the high end, like on a on a one to ten. Mm-hmm. Anything with peanut butter was a ten. That's true. Um, Skittles, oddly, which have no like bearing on that, were probably like in the seven range, seven to eight. Those are still popular, I think. Just got some um, here and there. Just to change it up, and then some Skittles adjacent things, things like Starburst. Starburst um, are delicious. I love me some Starburst. And then all the way on the far end of like one or even zero, if I, I wish I could mark it zero, <laughs> um, uh, anything with coconut. So so when <laughs> you saw those coconut. ads when I was a kid about almond, sometimes almond you joints. feel like a nut, mm-hmm. sometimes you don't. Um because one of those has almonds and the other one doesn't. The Almond Joys have almonds, almond obviously. Joys have nuts, yeah. Um, nothing, nothing coconut. I can do coconut milk, like if I'm making curry or something. Yeah. But the flavor of coconut, I've never. And it's the one of the few things from my childhood palate that is persistent. Like when I was a kid, I also yeah. didn't like onions. Mm-hmm, but I'm an mm-hmm. adult now. I I cook with onions all the time. Right. It's fine. I made French onion soup once. Um, <laughs> yeah, the, the, and that's fine. Coconut flavor stuff, even like coconut water, any of that. Nope, hard pass. <laughs> I, I, I had that, but I, I did the other thing. I switched. Like I agree with you wholeheartedly that coconut was no way. Pineapple was the same way. But as I get older, those those things switch. And now I look forward to the parents who give to the houses that give almond joys to my kids because. I know they won't like them, and I can get them. And I, that's my favorite thing to get on Halloween. Mm. But, as I said, parents have learned, and they do that too. And there's there was like two Almond Joys in the entire thing. And we had pounds of candy, like a huge bags full of candy. Um, so, And to only get two Almond Joys out of that is a big signal that people have learned that to not give those out. Only one house gave Dum Dums out. Which is which is good because if you're going to the store, you're buying dum dums. You're just being cheap. You're just being cheap, guys. I feel like, and I don't know. Maybe this is confirmation bias because I don't. I think, you know, when I lived in Bloomington, we sometimes would give get trick or treaters. But I think the neighborhood had so many like grad students and mm-hmm. whatever that that people knew they did just didn't come by. And so we would do like a bowl, you know, honor system bowl or something yeah, at most. Yeah. Um, and so whenever I have bought Halloween candy, it's for myself. And so <laughs> I'm only looking for like 
where are the Reese cups? Where are the whatever <laughs> sure. Reese's eggs that are footballs or right, pumpkins right. or or yep. whatever ship? It's still a Reese. It's a Reese's without the paper on it. Right. Um. And so I have seldom, if ever, gone looking for like you know Dum Dums or or hard candy or or God forbid candy corn. Yeah, um, or peppermints and things like that. Remember, you get peppermints. You know? <laughs> Gosh. I mean, I think I think when we were kids, uh, you know, the parents were still, you know, not even boomers, but like uh, greatest generation or whatever we call the generation that are the boomers' parents, right? People who grew up in the Depression, right, and lived through World War II, and were like, "Yeah, this is candy. It's made of sugar. What else would you call it?" Um, and, uh, and yeah, and now, you know, the kids, not even, not even Gen Z, whatever the kids younger than, they're probably a handful of Gen Z's still trick or treating, but those in the younger, like the parents, the houses that you're going to are like millennials and Gen Xers. They're, yeah, they they don't want hard candy before the big, before the big, uh, urban legend terror scares about razor blades and stuff almost none of which was ever substantiated in any way it's just like somebody heard a rumor and then it was on the nightly news and everybody freaked out yeah right the uh well the so yeah it was a successful candy uh trip for for lola our our littlest our our oldest actually didn't go trick-or-treating this year uh i don't know if it was her her decision though i think it was more of a peer not peer pressure but dad pressure i mean it's like do you re- you're you know mm. you're 16 do you really need to go up i remember always mm-hmm, seeing mm-hmm. those 16 year olds and 17 year olds walking up to their dressed up and i saw a couple like 15 year olds walking around like thugs you know in their crappy costumes getting or in their football outfits from after practice getting candy and you're like come on guys <laughs> you know like look you're old enough to get a job you're old enough to buy your own damn candy. To buy your own candy. Exactly. That, that's, you know what? That's a good point. I think that the age should be when you can buy your own darn candy, you, you shouldn't go out trick-or-treating. Uh, I think you should go out and you can still walk around and dress up. I'm all about cosplay and things like that all year round. It's great. Um, use Halloween for a thing with that, but, you know, you don't need to go up and get kids candy out, out of things. Um, but anyway, we went out and um, my point about my neighborhood, though, was that because it's young and it's, it's, uh, there's, things are spread out, like the houses are more spread out than the neighborhood next to us. Um, it's pe- a lot of people don't come here because, you know, it's like what's the uh, candy per footsteps is, is less. You have to walk, sure, you know. Sure. Um, yeah. So we walked we walked through the older neighborhood next to ours and got a bunch. And there's a whole bunch of people. And it definitely felt like the 80s. We've never gone camping or trick or treating in this area before. And it felt like the 80s because there's no sidewalks, just road in its neighborhood. So all the kids are it's daylight and the kids are in costumes walking on the streets with the parents and. There's music and stuff. It very it felt very 80s kind of Halloween. And then we came, made the trip back to the house, and Lola emptied her bag, and she's like, we got another 45 minutes. Can we go back out? And I was like, sure. So we went into the, the this newer neighborhood, and because there was hardly any kids there, they had good candy and a ton of it because no one was coming. And mm. they just tell, kept Lola telling Lola, just, just get a handful. Just get a whole handful of that stuff. You know, One, one had... King size Kit Kat. Now I have gotten a full size candy bar before in my life. Sure, Never sure, a king yeah. size candy bar, and this was there was a crazy. 
there was a long um sort of sort of grudge held between uh, uh young child Dennis and my dad because he pilfered a full-size Kit Kat from my stash one oh, year. Oh, that would have bothered me. That's one you don't you that's one you notice that's gone, right? Right. Well, and and I was that kid, nerdy Poindexter whatever, um who would like go home. we we would go and I don't know, we kind of did it on and off because my parents were definitely as I've mentioned before, you know, became parents right at the height of that Reagan era moral scare. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And so we definitely hit the point of like Halloween is evil. We're not participating in this. But my parents had to contend with my grandparents, my mom's parents, who were those greatest generation, both born in the 20s. And we would go to their neighborhood um, because our we lived on a lake when I was a kid. And it was kind of a retiree neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Uh, as you say, the houses were spread out. A lot of them were vacant. Most, you know, except for in the summer when people, you know, there are people's summer houses and whatever. And so we would drive over to my grandparents' house where the houses were close together and they had sidewalks. And it was one of those like, uh, like Fritz Terrace kind of a, you know, a bunch of houses built in the 50s and 60s after the war. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, my grandpa would make chili and I don't know, some kind of clam chowder or something. Um, Oyster soup. I don't know. He made some white soup with the you know, alongside the chili. Yeah. And so it was the big, like, they wouldn't have, you know, my, my parents like, oh, you got to let the kids go, go trick or treat. And oh, so they fought that, they fought that battle. But anyway, I was that kid who would bring everything back to grandma's house and spread it all out. <laughs> and I, it, I maybe only did this once, but probably multiple times, like, when I was a kid and I kept a journal, like I would write down everything yeah. that I got for Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Um, I would write on paper, like a full inventory That's of everything hilarious. I got and how many of each thing. And <laughs> definitely great. the, like, you know, if I had, if I had a bag of M&Ms, I would like intentionally eat them by color. <laughs> like I wouldn't just eat, even though they taste the same. I think you were, I'm I think like, you were on the spectrum there, Dennis Bird. <laughs> A little bit, a little bit. And, you know, not just not just randomly, but like get it to a point where like now there's an even number of every color and like one at a time <laughs> to keep those even. Um, uh, yeah, de- definitely uh, kind a of. thing there. We, we, so, yeah, if if uh, if a full size Kit Kat went missing, I was not going to. It was on your ledger. You knew it, right? Yeah. Yeah. That, that, that was not going to go kids unnoticed. Always, and me too. Have always spread it out and separated. Like Lola's got them all in baggies now. Like the, here's the chocolates, here's mm-hmm. the whatever. Um, here's the Tootsie Rolls. But but nowhere, I, I got to say, you're the first one I've heard that, that cataloged it, which I find that very impressive. Um, and, I, and I would have been like, wow, that's awesome. I love your thing. I, although, as a parent, it would have made me sad because obviously we steal from candy every year. That's, you know, mm-hmm. that's what we do. Now, sure. To, to be fair, the thing is, is that that like that candy lasts forever. And you can't have it in the, the thing is your kid sees the candy. You see a big, huge bucket of candy. They always want it. And they're always asking for it. And they're always eating. You can't have your kid eating candy all the time. So taking it, sure. taking some to work, giving it to other people, you know, eating it a little bit, here, grazing on it here and yourself cuts down on when that's sitting around the house. When it was just uh, Sydney and I for a while there, 
I remember the first, like, when after Hope had moved out uh, and, and Sid went trick-or-treating, that candy lasted forever. Like, it was still Halloween next year, and we still had a, the bucket of candy. And then I, I, I had that, too, but that was because, again, a, along with other weird things I did as a kid, I also would hoard it. Yeah. Right. I didn't want to because then if I ate it, it would be gone. It would be gone. And so I would I would sit to to the point where the parents, the adults around were like, do you still have like that's almost a year old? What are you going to do with that? Yeah. I'm like, whatever I want. I'm going to hide it in my, the back of my closet <laughs> where nobody can steal it. We we, we, um, we we always like I've always had it where like that first night they can kind of gorge themselves on candy and they'll be sick and not. I've never yeah. had them be sick, but, you know, eat a lot of candy. Yeah. It's totally fine. But then. It's probably why it's lasted. I've always since then. It's kind of always a rule, and even with with Shell here, here it's the, you know, you still have to ask. You, it still doesn't go in your room. Um, it goes there, and then we don't let them have it all the time. They have a piece of candy or two a day. Um, but anyway, it, it was it was a good profitable time for Lola. It was the the real big thing though was that Sid stayed home and passed out candy with Shelly this year, which was nice. Shell's not a big walk around everywhere at dark, and she gets a little tired and. Sure, um, sure. So she, uh, it was nice for her to stay home, and I love walking around with, with the kids. So I walked around with Lola while the, the two of them stayed, and they had a real great time. They, they love it. Shelly loves Halloween, loves the whole thing, and really enjoys having the music play outside. She's sitting outside with their bucket, and, and the whole house is decorated on the outside and inside. So she's enjoying the atmosphere, and Sid was too. Just hear Monster Mash on repeat. Exactly. And uh, Sid was carving pumpkin. She did a wonderful job this year of carving pumpkin. So, like, really, really good. So they got to they really got to enjoy the Chris, uh, Christmas, the Halloween spirit without actually going trick-or-treating, which you can. You know, it's just different. Um, so I was really happy for that, and th- the whole family had a really great time. Um, nice. So, yeah, successful halloween next is thanksgiving sydney told me today she informed me she said dad it's only it's only like two and a half weeks till thanksgiving she goes to her mom's for thanksgiving Mm, vacation she was talking about that and she said so she was it was like the first time she'd ever realized that it's right back to back and i was like and there's this new thing this year that christmas is only one month away from thanksgiving it's it's (laughs) they're doing this new thing it's crazy and she's like dad whatever (laughs) I feel like I feel like we talked about this last year. Yeah. Um and I'm by no means an expert on this, but I know that in Japan they have something called Golden Week oh, where yeah. there are like three or four holidays all in the same week. Oh wow. And and I mean they still have stuff spread out like they still celebrate their own version of Christmas and um you know they have other like Oban and Setsuban and other holidays spread throughout the year. Um, and they have, they have their own new year's, uh, traditions as well. Um, but they have this thing, I think it's in the late spring sometime called golden week. And, you know, I always think about our American holiday season. And I know Halloween is a little bit of an outlier. Yeah. Um, cause it's not quite as, uh, I mean, it's big, but it's not big in a family for the whole family right yeah it's more of a kid's in in the way that that thanksgiving christmas are but i'm like uh why do we have thanksgiving and christmas and new year's so close but not not close enough (laughs) right like like we could do christmas you know we could do a a 
12 days or a or a um hanukkah kind of you know thing where we do some you know our thankful day and our christmas <laughs> day and our new year's we right. could do that all in a week <laughs> right and then Get it people all wouldn't be people wouldn't be faced with this like oh do i make two trips back to the family do i go home for thanksgiving nah, and then miss true. christmas and 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 all this kind because of, it it becomes this whole like whole big chunk of the year <laughs> where you've got this this uh this this i don't know disruption or whatever you want to call it like just hanging well he, here in the states we, we anyway, our yeah. celebration isn't usually just one day too it goes part with with your story it's kind of like now that halloween is over everything is transferring over to decorations and outside and stores into to thanksgiving stuff and now we're all Mariah so Carey comes out of her coffin. <laughs> exactly. And and then yeah. once Thanksgiving happens, it's it's Christmas time immediately. Nowadays with stores it's like a week before Thanksgiving even. But it I I and I love that every year people for I mean for my entire life it feels like <laughs> every year people are like Oh, the stores put up their Christmas stuff earlier every year. I'm like, they can't possibly be putting it up earlier every year because <laughs> it, it be every a, a year loop, people right. say that. I'm like, it would be up all year, right? Yeah. It would be uh, um, Santa Claus, Indiana, where they're, you know, <laughs> just they're just Christmas year stores op- open year round. I'm like, it's not. It's you know, it's most, just very early. It just always is. It's it's just very early at Wal- in Walmart's. They have their lawn and garden section, and I'm pretty sure this is true for the other like lowe's home depot kind of places like they have a big section where they sell plants Mm -hmm. when it's warm and people are buying plants and seeds and topsoil and all the things that go with out in your garden in your yard and then when it starts to get too cold for that around september october they put a lot of that stuff in storage or on clearance and they start rolling out the christmas stuff because they have an empty space in the store yep it always like okay yes i know it's october and there's christmas stuff at the stores it's always been that maybe not oh, always been that it's way been way for a long time it's been that way for decades yeah, for sure they, so they're, they're hitting that season it's just the way it is the the yeah. uh we, we were in lowe's last week speaking of that and, and we did notice that they had all their their uh, christmas or you know decorations replaced all their halloween stuff Holiday already stuff, so yeah. which is like you said, that's just that's just how it is. I'm surprised that it wasn't sooner than that. Um, but the I guess the thing, and, and this is my yearly ho hum, is that you know I I am a little I have noticed the Black Friday thing drastically changed in the last ten years though. The like that that timing of stuff is really weird. How it's taken them that long to decide to start doing Black Friday a week before even Black Friday. Um, mm. But anyway. Moving on from holiday things, um, yeah, it was good holiday things. We'll, we'll be talking about holidays, I'm sure, for the next thing. I was going to say the last thing about that holiday thing is that we in America, it takes a long time. We celebrate it for a long time, so it's not just one day, right? Like it's not just over in one day. That, that's to add to your point of it. You know, you got a lot of stuff going on for a long time. It's that it's a month between Halloween and Thanksgiving, but we celebrate the, the whole time of year. That whole month is is Thanksgiving stuff. And then right after Thanksgiving, then we get a whole month of Christmas. So if it was all, to your point, if it was all in one, you could just have it all kind of condensed into one thing that, that makes sure. And I will say right. that those three holidays in, in America is the only thing that makes winter bearable for me. <laughs> it's, like I hate the cold. I hate the <laughs> stuff. It's getting darker. It's all bah humbug stuff. But because of these wonderful holidays, 
it's a reprieve until January. And then it's terrible. Uh, yeah. Okay. Well, and speaking of speaking of the weather and and getting colder, I haven't talked about this yet because we've been talking about Halloween for twenty minutes. Yeah. Um, I I am back on the road, yeah. as it were. Yeah. Um, I do have a new, game. I have a new campground membership where I won't be moving as often, so I'll be in this location for another week and a half uh, before I move again. So, so you can feel like you live there for a little bit before you have to move. I guess. I guess, yeah, I'll get used to the space. I've already seen um, a couple of my neighbors uh, leave. I learned, um, I don't know if this is universally true, um, but at least in this RV park, there's no Halloween um, observance, at least not on the day of, which was on a Monday, which is always an awkward Mm -hmm. uh, day for Halloween to fall on. Um, But I'm in western Tennessee, uh, probably... About an hour outside of Memphis. You chose to go there? Um, no, I'm just, my, my bad, sorry. It's, no. it's, it's, it's where there's a park. It's nice. Uh, there's fall leaves. And I am back in oh, central time again. Oh, I bet you it would be very pretty with leaves there in Tennessee. So, yeah. Um, yeah. And it's and it's nice. It's not as cold as it was. up. I haven't moved that far south. I'm probably like, I don't know, 100 miles south or something. Most of the distance was west. Um rather than south from southern indiana um but i'm back in central time so it's i i definitely have that thing where um because i'm on the eastern edge of the time zone instead of the very far western edge of of eastern time um it gets dark at like five thirty, oh, yeah, or something. You're, um, you're getting you ready know, to fall back uh, so hopefully that'll change a little bit for you but. yeah i'll be, i'll be sitting and it's and it's dark in the camper, and I'm like, should I be winding down? Should I be going to bed soon? And I look at the time on my on my computer, and it's like 8.15. <laughs> right, something. right. And I'm like, wow, it's, yeah, it's it's nowhere near. And it's been dark for a while, but. Uh, yeah, we, we're uh, we're getting, as I mentioned, we're getting ready to do some, some fall. Everybody here in the States are getting ready to do some, some fallback type stuff. And we change our clocks back an hour. So that, that always helps. I told my kids this morning, I said, we're getting ready to do that. Just means that we're gonna get we're start seeing the sun again in the mornings when we go to school, which is nice. But when when work is over, it's dark when we walk outside. So it's different. Yeah. You know, just just how it is. Winter time is here. Um, but yeah, moving. It's glad to hear you're going there. Where's your next spot after Tennessee? Um, I think I'm going. There are two parks in Tennessee. This one closes for the winter uh, on November fifteenth. So I came here first because I'm like, I haven't been to this one before. Um, and so I think I'm going to the one closer to Nashville. Um, and then I will be close to my sister's place mm, nice. for Thanksgiving. I'll probably go oh, that's good. do Thanksgiving that's with smart. them. Pla- planning, and, uh, man. Planning. Yeah. 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 Uh, okay. So one more thing. Well, two more things about the holidays before we go. Our weekly movie this week was... Uh, a scary movie themed for Halloween. So let's launch into this week's movie of Scream. What do you say? All right. This week we watched the annoyingly named Scream. Uh, Which Scream is that, Dennis? It's Scream 5, not Scream 4. Um, Scream 4 was in 2011. I don't think I ever saw that one. Um, 
when I saw these movies, they were a trilogy. Okay. Um, but this is the fifth. It came out this year. Um, it's a little bit of a, uh, as they call it in, in the movie itself, a requel. A requel. Where, uh, you know, they they sort of reboot the series, but it's also, um, you know, brings in about half or at least most of the principal cast of the original um, handful of movies, especially the first one, and sort of tell the same story as the original. It's very... Um, right. uh, Ghostbusters Afterlife was a little bit like this. Um, uh, uh, Star Wars... Uh, Force Awakens. I kept like the F sound in my brain was making me think of Phantom Menace, and I'm like, that's not it. That's <laughs> the wrong. That's the prequel. Um, same kind of thing, right? You bring back Han and Chewie, and yeah. there's a new Death Star and a new Darth Vader, right. um, et cetera, et cetera. Yeah, I think I think uh, I may be wrong. Someone can write me write us on this one. Is that uh, the Star Wars ones were one of the first that kind of kicked off that that hey this is something we can do type thing like because you know, they were maybe the in this stuff they were doing rehashing or rebooting in this and kind re- of redoing. yeah i mean i mean we've definitely had reboots yeah reboots right? have like, been around forever right but, you know but every time you know right? we're like oh we're doing we're making movies in color now we're making movies with sound now you know every you go back we were talking about dracula and i was like you know i looked online i'm like what's the best because i want to watch dracula dead and loving it though we might save that for next uh next year october now that halloween has passed but um dracula dead and loving it is a parody of the bram stoker's dracula story and i was like well what's the best i don't think i've seen a film i've listened to audiobook but like what's the best and i look and people are like well still really the truest adaptation is the one from 1931 and i'm like are you serious nobody's um like uh coppola did one in 92 before dracula dead and loving it i'm like that one's not and you know it it takes a it makes a lot of changes from the original story and i'm like okay i get that that's that's fair like you want it i mean if you're gonna watch the og dracula you want to see the story as it was it's sort of the the kickoff or the entry point of of you know the modern version of the vampire mythos uh, sure um but I, anyway yeah like we'd had that where like you tell the same story but it's modernized we did it with planet of the apes we did it with superman batman batman did it a couple times spider-man obviously um oceans 11 just tell the same story but in a more modern setting with new actors and a new twist or something um but that's not the same as what we're talking about, which I don't know if requel is the term of art people are using for this. But, but that show this is did. like, yeah. it's a reboot and a sequel, right? Because it's forward in time in the story. So it's a sequel, but it's also hitting the same beats. It's bringing back a lot of the old actors and telling the same like basic story framework of the original with new characters. Um, like a reboot. Right. Um, I, I mean, I think so, I, th- I think the idea yeah. of that in general is a, a a good way to go on reboots. I'd say. I'm also, by the way, uh, like Bill and Ted was also kind of a requel thing, although it, yeah, it was like that. Sure. Um, 
but I, I think that's a good way because the you know the, the struggle's always been with with uh, reboots um, is that they're obvious you know and and they don't give people what they want. It's the people who want a reboot are the ones who liked it originally, and they're going to be a lot of the people who go and see it and push it. Like if they reboot, you know whatever. Uh, I don't know, whatever movie, right? They reboot a a movie. The people who loved it the first time are going to be the ones that go see it the second time. And then, you know, the, the, the younger generation aren't going to watch it if it's just old people. So you can't, if you put young people, because you want to get new audiences and new thing and start it all over again, then you're going to alienate the old people. So in these requels, you just have combination of all of them. You just add it all together. Right. And you get everybody. Yeah. It's in general. It's it's both the strength and the weakness of the format, right? Yeah. Because you then have to try and balance. And we've seen, mm-hmm. you know, a variety of these, good and bad. I think I don't think any of them are ever lauded as, like, a masterpiece or even sure. a great movie yeah. in a way that, you know, I've, what I've never seen. What might have been, yeah. Yeah, I've never seen the original Ocean's Eleven, but it happens frequently where the original was something in its time and enough time passes. We're not talking about like whatever, 50 years from, not even 50 years, from A New Hope to The Force Awakens, but like 60, 70 years, whatever the time, and even that, I'm probably making that number uh, too high between the original Ocean's Eleven and the reboot, that probably also was more like 50 years. But it it goes into a little bit of what we talk about with, with comic book characters and how much you can change them. Like, if the original was... I don't, I don't want to say bad, but, like, forgettable. Like, it's just one of however many movies those Rat Pack guys made. Right. And But it had something in it that was compelling. Or um, maybe Battlestar Galactica is a better example. Um, you know, the original BSG was just another campy 80s sci-fi series. Right. And and they rebooted it into something with a lot of um, well-handled political commentary and, and compelling tension and drama and, um, and all of those things. I think... I think... A, a a true sequel has the potential to be something that people call great. And I'm using a really subjective term, right? Like good, great, bad, decent, whatever. Um, where a requel, I think, is only ever going to be, like, good for what it is. Right? Yeah, and what it is is, I think, mainly meant to to so i think when you use requels is when you're beating a dead horse and you need a way to refresh the material enough to get keep it going further but it's never going to be better than the original because you're just refreshing it you're not you know you know what i mean right you're you're so and 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 that's where i don't don't know that i actually got to the point that i started out making you're trying to serve two masters right you're trying to bring in a new audience with fresh faces and and you know new actors and new motivations and all those things but you still are obligated to pay so much 
uh, uh, homage to the original that it gets bogged down. Like we had a lot of fun with um, Ghostbusters Afterlife, but as a movie, as a standalone, if you don't know the original Ghostbusters, um, the new characters, Finn Wolfhard and, and um, the rest of them who, whose names I've all completely forgot, um, almost get lost in the, in the, the, the nostalgia fan servicey stuff, which is great for the old fans. Um, but kind of, you know, overpower. And that's the risk, right? Like you're, you're trying to do these two things and the, the balance striking the right balance can be really, really tricky. Yeah. So, so all that preface is to say, bring it back to scream to this movie is that, Oh yeah, this I'm talking about this, this movie. <laughs> this movie does does that like it is all that. It's all the things that we just made. It's 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 the requel. It even calls itself the the thing that makes this one. I will give it huge credit for is that it straight out talks about it. Like it's almost like fourth wall breaking in a way. I mean, the only way they don't fourth wall break it is that they call it stab instead of scream. Like when they're referencing right, itself, right, right, and I'm. I mean, we talked about that when we watched the original Scream, yeah. right? These movies, I've never been a huge horror fan. Um, we've talked about that at length almost every time we watch a horror film, it feels mm-hmm. like. Um, most of it's just not for me. It's not this, like, I appreciate that it exists and that there are people out there who really like it. It's just, for the most part, not for me. Yeah. Um but the Scream trilogy was something that I watched in an era when I was really venturing out from the kind of movies my parents would approve mm-hmm. of my, my watching and the the meta what we now call meta nature of the movies um i found really compelling right it's like almost educational um and so of course they're still doing that i mean you know the original um I, I guess we're going to talk spoilers here a little bit, so I'm going to hit the bell. We're going to talk about uh, Scream 2020 in detail. So if you haven't seen that and you don't want to get spoiled, if you are familiar with the franchise, you can probably predict most of the beats. But uh, there are some twists at the end, I'll say. Uh, yeah, if you don't want to get spoiled, I'm going to skip ahead. Toward the end of the first movie, there's a scene where... Um, the, one of the experts, the guy who knows all about horror movies and knows the rules to survive a horror movie, is watching, I don't know if it's Halloween, I think it's Friday the 13th maybe, mm-hmm. um, and yelling at Jamie Lee Curtis to, uh, to turn around because the killer is behind her. Meanwhile, the killer is right behind him, right? It's a funny meta thing. In this requel, this new one, there's another character watching the first Scream movie. Except they've put Scream, they've put Scream in its own universe as a, um, not parody, but just a something, an adaptation or whatever that they call Stab, right? So whenever they say Stab, they're talking about Scream, but the Scream movies are real. The Stab movies are the movies they made in the Scream universe about the story of the Scream movies, right? Right? It's it gets a little. It's not that confusing. Very it's more meta, confusing yeah. for me to explain it than for you to see it. But there's a new character in the new movie watching the first movie 
yelling at him to turn around while he's yelling at Jamie Lee Curtis to turn around. Right. And I'm like, okay, yeah, of course they did this. Yeah. I mean, like, th- that's, I'm, that's I'm a... amused, but also kind of annoyed. Yeah. I, I actually, I appreciated that about this movie. Not necessarily that scene that was a little over the top, but I, I appreciated how they, they pointed out everything. Like it was, it very, it, it was very Deadpoolish to me how it's, mm-hmm. it's, it's so self-aware of itself. You know, and and it's aware that you're watching it. It's aware that you're watching this show. That's the what'd you say fifth in the, in the thing. Uh, mm-hmm. th- they're aware of it. They're telling it to you like you're aware of it. They know that it's a it's a a remake of a remake, and that the characters are here and who done it and the type of thing. And I appreciated all that. That that was the thing that I actually liked most about this. And I was like, okay, this this doesn't feel like a waste of my time to watch this this show because they get it. Like they get what well, I, what and, I'm doing here, you know, um, and especially because we watched the original like last year, mm-hmm. or um, I know we watched Hocus Pocus like in eighteen, so I don't remember yeah. when we watched Scream, but um, I don't think it was on the poster, so it might have been last year. Um, the the killers in the original Scream movie are copycats, right? They're trying to kill people like. The characters in horror movies, yeah. right? The characters in a horror movie are copycatting characters in a horror movie. Um, and it the the killer's big speech at the end is how movies are all sequels now. Um, and so it makes perfect sense that it's now the franchise be- has become so meta that the copycats are not copying real horror movies. They're copying the Scream movies in the Scream universe. Like, yeah. it's it's very... Um, I don't know, schlocky. It's not really campy because it's all like, f- for the most part, all of the special effects and stuff are all really well done, and they still were. The original movies are not so old that, um, that all of that stuff wasn't good back then, except for the rules of like <laughs> what people can and can't do, what human bodies can and can't do mm-hmm. after being stabbed and later shot i'm like that's he is not moving he's not walking around and like swinging stuff at this guy after he just he was stabbed in the leg like he was limping a second ago um there is some of that with with the little sister but um so it's so i don't know that i would call it campy but it's very you said self-aware is a good way is a good way to say it and it's like like the meta has become like like layers of meta now (laughs) right which again i i appreciated and and it was every single time it was doing the things that i don't like it's because it i almost i almost had to catch myself and say like are they are they doing it again are they self-aware that that -hmm. they're acting really badly here or that this is terribly written or this is a scene that is always bad or forced or etc like it almost felt like, are they doing this on purpose? I can't tell. Or are they just, or is this just another dumb horror movie, you know, badly directed, badly written or whatever. I, I couldn't tell. And I appreciated it's, that. Like I, it's, it's both. I yeah. Think. It's, it's, I agree. I thought, I thought at times it was both. Um, so mm-hmm. now all that's a lot of together with this movie to talk about the movie itself, just kind of by itself and looking at it. Um, like horror movies of the old and even the scream or any kind of these, this ilk, um, it's really badly written. 
except for mm-hmm. those twists, which I think, which makes the screen movies and the screen franchise in general, uh, that's its thing. I think it's a little sharp. Some of the how, how, how I know what you did last summer movies do that too, mm-hmm. where it's mm-hmm. got some yeah. thinking like who done it, and even in this movie they talk about it. They talk about like what makes a they say stab movie a stab movie is that figuring out who it is. It's always the friend group. It's always that part of thing, and they. And besides that writing, the rest of it is terrible writing. It's horrible acting, even by these, I'm going to use air quotes, veteran actors. And I'm specifically talking about one scene where, um, uh, oh, the friend's lady, um, can't think of her name. Courtney Cox. Courtney Cox is talking to Dewey, her, her love interest in this show. And it's just extremely bad. David and, and they're yeah. acting it extremely bad. And I'm like... <laughs> <laughs> this feels terrible. Like that they're doing this, and and I like I know. Then I was like, I know what I'm watching. Of course, I'm watching this. This is not meant to be a smart show. I don't think. Um, but again, it was kind of hard to tell. And then every one of the new cast, they really didn't care for their performances, or they weren't compelling in any way. But then again, that's also every horror movie is made up of young mm-hmm. people doing stupid things, acting beh- badly, and being dumb. That's just what they are. So yep. this that that in its whole makes it exactly what you expect. So this is a classic horror, dumb horror movie mixed with very sharp, meta, different way of thinking. So it's got a real weird it, mix, and I can understand yeah. why appreci- people appreciate it. Yeah, it's more than it's a little bit of um, it's a little bit of what is it, Poe's law or. I don't know if it's Poe's law for sure, but that idea where like a parody becomes so affected, effective or so committed to its own bit that it's now indistinguishable, right? Like what's the difference between uh dialogue, poorly written dialogue for the sake of, um, of, of, um, What's the word? It's not parody. Um, of sat- satire. Oh, what's, satire yeah. what's the difference between dialogue that is poorly written to satirize classic horror films and dialogue that is just poorly, poorly written? written. <laughs> right. Right. And like, how do you tell the difference? <laughs> I, I uh, couldn't a lot of times in this movie. Yeah. And so which which actually after it was done, I had to look at myself and say, well, that's good. Like, if, whether they were, if they're bad writers and uh, bad actors and bad, you know, and then they may kind of made it where you had to think, well, good on them. That's, that, that was well done. So um, in, in the conclusions of this, I thought it was fun. I'm glad that I watched this one just because I haven't watched one of these in a while. And mm-hmm. I always feel like I'm, when I'm going to watch them, I'm going to waste my time because I don't want to waste my time on jump scares. Don't want to waste my time on on uh, you know stupid people doing stupid things. And the worst part about these movies, I think, for me, is the why would you do that? You know, in mm-hmm. in every in every scene. Um, this one had several scenes where they they like it felt modern enough where they punched the guy the bad guy in the face right away. Like they that's what should happen, right? Someone comes mm-hmm. up to you and attacks you and you punch them, right? Or you kick and they, they fought back a lot more than just trying to run away. Um, yeah. Which I appreciated a whole lot. Or, you know, you the guy 
you know, carrying tasers around with them, being very careful on things. And I, I, I did appreciate a lot of that modernization of these things. Like we've all watched so a lot of these things, zombie movies will do it where they try to ignore that anyone's ever heard of the word zombie before. Um, mm-hmm. This one did not. This one was straight up. We know what, uh, th- what we're in. We're in a horror movie right now. They even say it. And the whole plot is that they're in, that they're living a horror movie. Um, so I appreciated that they were, they reacted in that way. And I liked that. Um, so I would, I didn't feel like I wasted my time. I, it was a, a new, twist slash take on it um even if it still ended up kind of rote um right i i was okay with it you know i i'm i'm glad that i watched this one i did not watch all five of them i think i watched the first two and i i remember kind of enjoying the first two like oh that's nice and witty but i wasn't going to push my luck with more um i mean it's the same yeah it's the same you know the they 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 commit to the bit right the i I didn't see the fourth one, but I saw the second and third, you know, back in, around college age. And it was one of those things where they kind of taught me about movies and movie making, whether, however, any of that is, is accurate in any way. Um, but some of the observations they make are true, like in the era of classic horror films in the in the 70s and 80s. It was definitely true that the first, uh, the first victims to to die were, you know, underage drinking or having premarital sex or anything like. It's this weird thing where, like, in these movies that no quote unquote good parents would want their kids to see, there were these heavy handed moral lessons. <laughs> um, and in the subsequent movies, they go to school, they go to college, they go to film school, and are like making plays and and i think eventually i think by the third one they're making the movie the stab movie which is the the adaptation of gail weathers's book about what happened to sydney prescott in the first movie and you're like oh this is getting this is, it's it's committing to the bit again right. um all of that was true of this movie i you know out of out of spoilers here um i wasn't expecting any kind of masterpiece Mm, um, of course, right. Our our buddy Fox said it was good, and I assume that that means good for what it's trying to do. And as you observed in the spoiler section, there's a lot of bad dialogue. There's a lot of mm-hmm. meta observation kind of stuff, just like the the original movie. Um, all of that was still here. It was all, for the most part, what I expected. Um, I expected a lot of fake outs, and I got a lot of those. Um, there's one sequence in particular where they, I think, run by just about every one of those, like, person opens a refrigerator, oh, yeah. and then when they close it, 100%. the killer's standing right there. It's like Except for five the minutes killer, they do that, yeah. The killer's not there, and they do it, like, eight times yeah. in a row to, yeah. to the point where I'm like, okay. what like It's, it's the meta again. They're, they're intentionally yeah, pointing I, that out, right? I think when the killer finally showed up, I was just relieved. I was like, okay, cool. We're going to start moving forward again. Yeah. Um, yeah. With something so I both like, appreciated, and disliked it. Because, again, I hate jump scares because they're stupid. Right. And right. Cheap and I mean, they're... What um, What did we see? Oh, The Thing. Right. Where the, the Thing had jump scares, but they made sense. Right. right. After yeah. that, or and and probably before that, who knows? But it became a trope 
because filmmakers knew, lazy filmmakers knew that all you had to do was make things quiet and then loud with something startling on the screen and you get the same um um uh biological isn't the right word but um physio- you get the same physiological reaction out of out of the audience and i'm like this is not good it's just cheap yeah um anyway anyway i did not expect a masterpiece out of this movie and i think i agree the the ratings on it are pretty low but i'm like what did people expect this to be? It was <laughs> exactly right. for the it was for the most part exactly what I expected it to and, be. And I also and give them credit that they did more. Like they it was what you expected, and they went a little bit more in effort. You know, first up. Yeah, yeah, and I appreciated um, some of the casting. Like uh, Melissa Barrera um, looks kind of like a, a you know. I remember our buddy Aaron watching the original movie said that. Um, the two main uh, female leads in the movie look the same. And I'm like, what are you talking about? Courtney Cox and Nev Campbell do not look the same. Right. Um, but then you see them here in this movie and you're like, all right, well, I mean, there are definitely similarities. Um, and when you see them, I guess this is a spoiler, but they're in the credits. So, you know, they're in this movie. Um, you see the three of them lined up and I'm like, yeah, Melissa Barrera looks like, she could be a younger version of of these two women and then her friend um uh or it's her sister's friend i forget um uh, mickey madison kind of looks like rose mcgowan from the first movie and she does the thing go to the basement for more beer um all that and i'm like she kind of looks like the girl in the first movie um <laughs> Uh, final, so that was my, my good, final note on this casting. one is that uh, side comment, extra comment is that uh, it is amazing how good people are at catching a stabbing person's hand every single <laughs> scene. Like everyone can do it. It's you know they go to stab you, yeah. they're gonna grab your hands. Everyone like man, these guys nice. are like dexterity masters. They got it down. So That's yeah, funny. Uh, I would rec- who would I recommend it to anyone who likes uh, horror movies for sure. Like it's one worth watching if if you like these kind of things. This one's for you. Matter of fact, it, even if the, the the last third act is basically centered for you specifically. So, um, what do we got for next week? It's my go right. Um, I was kind of thinking about doing this one before, but then we get hit Halloween season, so we had scary movies. But uh, I'm gonna do it's a more serious one. It's called uh, Saint Vincent with Bill Murray in one of his not funny roles, um, his okay. more serious roles. Uh, I have seen this one, but only once it goes on my list. It's the reason it's on my list is because I have memories of is, um, uh, what's the girl's name from, from a walk to remember, um, Mandy Moore in this. You don't think so. No, I'm thinking of a different movie. They're, they're, you said the title, and I had a I had a picture of a of a movie poster or a, a VHS box in my mind, but I don't think that's the the, uh, the one I'm thinking of. The other person you might know from this one is, and and I've just been in so many other things. So I'm going to say your name. She is the one of the new Lady Ghostbusters from the Lady Ghostbusters movie. She played the uh, Peter Bankman type character analog. I didn't see the 2016 Ghostbusters. Oh yeah, that one. So uh, she's in a lot of other things besides that. But anyway, she's in it. Uh, no, I, I can't remember a whole lot of the, the, the movie, but I do. That's why it's on this list. Uh, but I, one, I remember I liked it at the time. Two, I was 
Oh, Melissa. I remember McCarthy. being surprised because I've only ever thought of Bill Murray as, you know, uh, improvisational uh, jokester guy, right? And I remember this Funny one was man. like, oh wow, this is yeah. like it's kind of like you get a couple of Punch Drunk Love with Adam Sandler is kind of an example. You get movies mm-hmm, of mm-hmm. these actors that they get to do good roles. And you're like, oh, they can do different roles if they want to or are given the chance or et cetera, et cetera. Um, now I know he's done other yeah. movies, but this was the one that I remember that he did, but I can't remember much about it. So it's good to watch it again and get a second shot at that. Actually, and, and it's I remember it being one of those ones that, hey, I wanted to watch this once because you only need to watch it once. But now that I've forgotten most of it, it's a good time to rewatch it. And hey, you've never seen it, so there we go. All right, nope, Saint nope. Saint Vincent for next week. Uh, hey, I wanted to say something too. I'm going to spend 30 seconds on this. I watched uh, the movie called Dracula Untold uh, this last week too because it was Halloween time. It's with Luke Evans. Okay. It's just it's it's not worth talking too much about because it's more like right. uh, it's like Underworld. Remember the Underworld movies we watched? You know, um, it's very much mm-hmm. like that. I think it was supposed to be one of the ones. Uh, Universal was trying to do a monster movie verse. Do you remember that? Yep. They, they, so they did uh, Tom Cruise and the Mummy and mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. A, a lot of these other movies. And they were supposed to eventually bring them all together. Now, they didn't do it wrong. Like the Marvel movies set up individual movies that are all self-contained and they're in and then kind of leave them in places where they can at some point come together in Avengers type movie type thing. I think that was their plan and they did it right in all these movies because they, they have the story. They aren't trying to link them into anything until kind of the end. And it leaves it. Each one has left them in a place where they can do something else. Unfortunately, all the movies have been subpar. So they were never great really to watch anyway. Um, So there's no reason you would want to even watch like, Oh, those are all together. Um, this follows the same trend. It's not great. It's it's very much un- underworld or like that mummy uh, with Tom Cruise type stuff where you can be like, sure. yeah, I watched that thing, but really, I I was brain dead the whole time. Like I didn't need to watch it at all. Um, sure. So that's basically my review of it. It's um, I don't know if you if you're gonna watch. We talked about Dracula earlier. If you're gonna watch Dracula. Just watch Bram Stoker's Dracula. It's just still the best one. Um, and it's got the great best story of Dracula because it goes from Bram Stoker's, the original. Um, there's not been another one uh, since. Okay, uh, but moving on from that, um, what do I got more for movie news? Um, hey, did you hear that Harrison Ford is going to be in the MCU now? Um. I feel like I did hear this, but uh, refresh my memory. So he is going to be in um, the next uh, Captain America movie. Um, And he is going to be playing Thunderbolt Ross. So Ross is, uh, was played by, he was um, Sam, is it not Sam Neill? I'm trying to think of the the guy's name. He, He was the, he died. The actor died unfortunately recently um okay he was the the military always the military guy that was you know going after stark um he was played william hurt remember william hurt 
Okay, sure. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, he he played he always played Thunderbolt Ross and then he the actor passed away. So they are actually recasting this character and they're recasting him with Harrison Ford, which I find odd because Harrison Ford's like 900 years old. Mm-hmm. Like if you're going to get an actor, I mean, you don't want to get somebody who's 20 years old, but why get a guy that's barely making movies anymore, decent movies, to play a a role of a guy that was already on his twilight. So I don't understand that one, but whatever, I guess. Uh, <laughs> what else do we got here? That, so that was mini Marvel news. Um, hey, there's uh, there's still talk about Halloween Dracula stuff. Is there, there's a new interview with the vampire series coming out, right? I think I heard that from you. Yeah, it's, um, um, I don't think it's HBO. It might be Stars. I actually watched a couple episodes and oh, I Oh, it's already out? I didn't I don't know. Not even Yeah. Uh let me pull it up. How how did you feel about it so far? It's good. It's compelling. Yeah. Um where is the production? I saw the original movie like I don't know, 15 years ago maybe. I liked it. I, um, I still like it as, as a movie. Oh, I scrolled too far. I don't want to see these reviews. <laughs> um, uh, that's IMDb Pro. No, I don't want that. Um, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um, well, the reviews on this are lower than... than oh, it's AMC+. Plus. That's why. I knew there was a weird... Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, thing in my mind um it's based on an Anne rice novel i've mm-hmm. never read any Anne rice but i know she's kind of one of the earlier um uh writers of vampire fiction who wrote kind of i don't i don't know that they're overtly erotic but um you know twilight kind of stuff but yeah. more yeah. um she was pre-twilight movies she was ahead of the curve back then yeah more more grim and gruesome um kind of thing uh the story is told in a frame right which you could get from the title um there is a character in present day during the the pandemic um oh he's during the pandemic that's interesting okay yeah interviewing um a vampire and so then the vampire is telling him his life from is it a spoiler to say whether it's Louis, like from the original movie, or it's I think the same characters. Um, because okay. uh, I know Lestat um, was Anne Rice's like main character forever, which yeah, is, which yeah, was Tom Lest- Cruise's character. Lestat is a Frenchman, and um, Louis Pondelac is um, a sort of uh, a business owner, he runs several brothels in New Orleans. Um, and he is African American. Um, okay. I don't. I don't know how the original book was written. I know that the in the movie it's it's Tom Cruise and um, Val Kilmer. No, it's uh, Brad Pitt. Brad Pitt, of course. Right. Um, I'm confusing my 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 Top Guns and my Tombstones with, <laughs> uh, <laughs> with Interview sure. with the Vampire. Um, and so there's a lot of the story that sort of goes around what um 
what the culture was like in that time. Um, you know, it's, uh, it's early 20th century, late 18th, early, early, late 19th, early 20th century, like 1910 thereabouts. Um, so there are electric lights and cars, but everything's very new and, and, and fresh. And it's still, you know, there are a lot of things black people can do at the time, but they're still very much, um, secondary citizens, Mm -hmm. um, as it were. And there's a lot of, you know, there, there is a lot of eroticism just like in the original movie. It's probably more explicit than the original movie because it's, it's AMC and AMC plus, which I'm guessing is their streaming thing. Um, um, yes, yeah, on modern day streaming, you, you know, it's no holds barred after you do, Game of Thrones, you do whatever right? you yeah. want. Right, right. Ex- exactly. Um, and further back, I mean, it used to be just HBO that was known for that. And now there are, um, several streaming services that, um, yeah. will, will do whatever they we'll, want. We'll not care. I mean, it's, it's um, but I've, something that I've I'd, seen, I probably two... want to check out cause I mean, yeah, but... I've seen two episodes of it. It's, um, it's compelling. Um, it doesn't move super fast. The episodes are long in the yeah. same way that uh, Game of Thrones was. They're all, you know, an hour or more uh, long. So they're so they're kind of mini movies covering a lot of time. Um, but it's, uh, you know, I don't know. I'm enjoying it so far. It's not gotten to the, uh, in the first two episodes, it's not gotten to the Kirsten Dunst character. Yeah. Who is a, a young girl who gets turned into a vampire and becomes right. a, a major plot point in the original film, as I recall. Um, well, so the, I can't speak the, to the, that. The, I've heard, and this may be heresy for people who are real fans of her. I've heard the Anne Rice vampire books like had a sharp downturn. Like she's got like 50 of them and hmm. they, they're all the stat stuff. But I've I've heard that sure after the first couple it just has a really steep drop off on quality. Um, so with interview with the vampire being her first and best, um, and then hmm. it t- I think the next one's actually called the Vampire Lestat. Um, and I remember the Queen and the Damned coming out because I was younger then. Um, I think I saw that movie. Yeah, and so it was. Um, I wonder if this is going to just stick with interview with the vampire and make it kind of longer and expand upon things, or if it's going to be one of those ongoing series that tries to hit all the books type stuff. Dips into go, the rest of her go as long as it can go. Mythos. Yeah. Um, Cause like I said, she's got so many, um, that she, mm-hmm. that she's, she's done. Um, so I, I don't know. I, my opinion on the matter is like, tell a good story. Um, and if it's either source material is bad, it's a good chance it's going to be bad as well. So, Hope, but interview was good. Hopefully, they can stick with interview. So I'll, I'll watch it because I, I liked a lot of that stuff. Um, yeah, so that sounds that sounds good good to watch for sure. AMC Plus, I remember that one. Okay, so we got a little bit of time here left. I want to hit two things that we can talk about in their entirety. One of them is Lower okay. Decks because I watched the last episode of that one, um, hmm. and the last, last other one is episode. House of Dragons. Last episode with what can I say that's not a spoiler? Um, all about the California class. Yes. Okay. And the Texas class, which that's not a spoiler; it's just a thing. Yeah. So, um, 
Lower Decks first. The other one, last one was House of Dragon. We finished up with House of Dragon today. Okay. Um, House of Dragon. Yes, not House of the Dragon, right? Just House of Dragon? I can't remember. It's no, it's it's House of the Dragon. House of the Dragon. Okay. Um, so Lower Decks, uh, I thought, had a stronger second half than the first half. Um, sure. The, I like the last two that it kind of ended. I think it was with the kind of therapy holodeck type uh, episode that they had, like the sequel to the other one where Boimler finds about oh, spoilers. The, the if you're not listening, thing. it's the, his guy that died, his twin or whatever his it is. Cl- the his transport his clone, clone, his twin. Yeah. Which I liked. And I also liked how that, what they did with him at the end with the little spoiler section. That was fun. Uh, I particularly chuckled out loud on the, when they're going down the, uh, the holodeck, like alleyway on a planet and there and one of the holodecks goes we're all on a simulation we're all just holograms in a simulation and i thought that's that's excellent <laughs> mm-hmm, really mm-hmm. well done uh, i really liked that one i liked the last one and i'll break into spoilers here so go away if you haven't spoiled it dennis's spoiler bell cue um yep. i the the, the the cities is is that a real thing? Like, I are there other things that are named after just cities that I haven't paid paid attention to, or are they just doing a super crazy bit with like all the cities in California and all the Texas things? Oh, oh, um, because that was that's a good. Qu- oh my gosh, that's a good question. That's a very yeah. I I chuckled at that. I mean, I you know I forgot that bit because um something that I love and I'm not unique in this because movies do it all the time. Uh, a great story element, a, a a trope that almost always works, is what I call the cavalry, right? Yeah. Somebody shows up. It's Luke. It's it's Han blasting that Tie Fighter and telling Luke to blow this thing so we can all go home. Yeah. Whatever the line is. Right. Uh, played to uh, cheesy excess in Rise of Skywalker mm-hmm. when there's a million ships out of nowhere and a magic emperor army of of star destroyers and all that but that idea of like yeah things look bleak and then the cavalry shows up. i mean star trek has and, the one of the biggest one in my memory it's the um it's the enterprise you know oh in the in the movie in the abrams yeah, yeah yeah the drop it's like the most badass you've ever seen the enterprise be yeah and um, and, and they made in, in, in light of that a couple of times in this last episode yeah yeah the other the like version of that that i also love is something that i don't see super often it happens toward the end of uh the wheel of time books um but the idea of like you think and they do it a little bit in avengers endgame but it's it's not quite as on the nose as as this is in lower decks where you're like oh backup just got here sweet there's some there's some extra ships and they're like no it's not some extra ships it's all the extra ships (laughs) all the and then they do the the bit with the cities which is funny but it you know it gives me a little chill to like oh it's not it's not just it's not just this it's all of them they all came right um and that's i'm sure i could think of other examples of that um but that's a thing that'll that'll always get me. The, um, the, another thing I liked about this last two episodes was 
I felt that this the one of the weaknesses of this season is that, the, and I've said this a couple of times, several times I'm sure, is that the character arcs and all the characters have been completed a season or two ago, and hmm. and they feel meandering. Like they're they're still funny and they're still doing the bits, but the characters just are kind of there and you don't know what they're doing or anything. Um, and one of the charm of Lower Decks was that the characters were so great and they kind of like a lot of depth to them and they were hilarious and sure. stupid and dumb, but they were still kind of had a, motivations and now they really don't. Um, you know, Boimler has already had his chance to be on the Titan. He turned it down and Mariners mm. made up with her mom and, um, you know, Tendy's already, you know, or the Rutherford's already come to grips with his cyborgs so and all They're- that kind of stuff. Um, they're never gonna the 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 Rutherford Tendy thing is gonna be like watching My Hero Academia like they're they're never never there's never gonna be a romance between those two and it infuriates me (laughs) right for sure but I did I did like these last couple episodes that they have their I think they gave us a little bit happening I think that they're they're pushing Mariner to actually be an officer like I think they're they're making the Mm -hmm. new they're giving her a new motivation to be a good Starfleet like uh, the next big hero, right? And which she she can be. And they yeah, I, she I got like... the chance. She got the chance to really, really rebel and go out and do civilian life for a couple episodes and make her choice of like, no, I really do want to be in Starfleet. Yeah, and and I think I think that that's a that's what they needed, which is why I like this this back half and these last two episodes. They made her where she's. She's now a thing. I think that's given her. I'm going to give her character more drive and interesting and texture. Uh, I like that they did that with Tendy too. Like they've they've Tendy's kind of Tendy's meandered. I liked her a whole lot, but she's I don't know where she's going. Was she going with this love interest with Rutherford? Because it felt that way. But then they're they're not even pushing that. So now they give her this like she wants to be a Starfleet captain and she wants to do this thing. And then that was a great thing when she's kind of come out and said that and Rutherford was 100% supportive in a great way and I thought oh that's that's so great now I like this she can be the leader and he'll be a supporter person for her like that's all Mm -hmm. again motivation and direction for characters and I know this show's about comedy and goofiness and just bits but one of the things that I loved about Lower Decks was it was all chock full of that but the characters were great you know and I Mm -hmm. really like them and I still do like them um, and I thought this season was mid, but the last two were really great and helped. Yeah. And, and just like, well, not just like, but very similar to what we talked about with the Orville. Mm-hmm. Um, they are doing things with the Lord. I mean, yes, they're doing all kinds of fan service. I crack up every time they show the Temerian officer. And sometimes he's talking with the universal translator. And then other times, <laughs> like, I forget who it is, like when Shax finally gets to eject the warp core oh, and great, the yeah. Tamarian guy is like, uh, so-and-so on the night of his joining. And I'm like, oh, that's hilarious. That oh, is I, a... I liked when he comes in twice <laughs> and the, the, he's shooting as Timba and he shoots. <laughs> I was like, yeah. Excellent. Yeah. All, all of that kind of, that's, that's complete fan service. But like, if you're watching the show and you saw the introduction of that character, you probably know most of what you need to know about Tamarians. Right. Um, it's still it's still fan servicey, but then like the whole episode about um, Tendi meeting the other Orion and like digging into like the Orions were a joke, right? They're right. I mean just like they did with the Ferengi between uh, Next Generation and Deep Space Nine, the Orions were an idea, you know, some horny dude came up with in the '60s in the original right. series in the 
Cage in the original pilot were like, oh, what if there's a race that has slave women? Right. right? That's like 60s. Um, and then every once in a while they're dropped here and there. But for the most part in the 90s and in the there are a couple in the Abrams movies, but mm-hmm. they're mostly ignored because you're like, oh, yikes, like sl- slave women. That's right. not that's not cool. And then you're like, oh, well, if they're all they're pirates they're all assholes like they keep women slaves just like the original incarnation of the ferengi um and they explored them a lot in strange new worlds in an episode yeah and so oh you're right um and so that's a thing that this um this show is doing that it can do because it's animated is here's a character and she's an orion but she's 100% 100% the, like, hashtag not all Orions. Um, yeah, you know, right. She wants, yeah, to nice. be, right yeah. she wants to be this way and, and very much against her, um, her prejudice, the, like, the stereotypes and prejudices that, um, that are working against her. Yeah. She, Mariner's still my favorite, but Tendy's really close. She's, she's pretty great. Mm. Uh, so, yeah, I, 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 I end up this season on a, Six out of ten, um, I, I'd give it. Uh, sure. Not that I, I hate it bad; it's still good, worth watching. Good, but not not as good as the past ones, which were excellent. Um, and and I'd still watch, w- still would watch an, you know another season for sure, uh, without question, because it's it's still funny, and the characters yeah. are yeah. getting better. Uh, okay, moving on in our last bit here, House of Dragon. We're only going to ten minutes to reserved on this one, though. Uh, so we can talk about the last bit. But I'd like to get your overall thoughts on the series so far, like the first okay. season, the overall uh, thing of it. Yeah, I'm going to hit the bell again because we're going to talk about uh, HBO's House of the Dragon, the entire first season, including spoilers. So if you've not seen that yet and you don't want to be spoiled on it, jump ahead. Um, I think that this series benefited a lot from quote-unquote airing at the same time as rings of power because rings of power was a hot mess with a lot of just sloppy writing poor uh politically motivated world building occasionally excellent visuals and special effects and then other times like this is not that much better than a cw show um anyway We've talked about Rings of Power already. Uh, So by contrast, um, House of the Dragon came out the gate very compelling. Um, You get a lot of that uh, HBO, no holds barred kind of visual uh, explicit content. Um, Not in the 13-year-old boy way that Game of Thrones was uh, with... Uh, naked ladies, as you would say, yeah. uh, in every other scene. Instead, very visible, visual, graphic depictions of, like, a cesarean section. Yeah. That you're like, okay, wow, this is okay. This is not Game of Thrones. It is. It's Game of Thrones, but it's not that Game of Thrones. It's yeah. we're this Game of Thrones. Um, and the story is smaller. Uh, both then Rings of Power or Game of Thrones. Um, it's one, two, I mean, it's really like three families, um, but it's a handful of people. Um, 
There's yeah, no open war. Smaller, for sure. Yeah. There's no open war. Any of the like um, martial combat stuff happening is happening off screen. They're just talking about it. There's this fighting in the not steps, whatever they call it, step stones, step sand yeah. snakes. I don't know. Yeah. It's happening off screen, and they're like, "Oh, this," and they quash the rebellion. Blah blah blah. Um, which is probably part of why it's it 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 was like half the budget of Rings of Power because they spent all their money on dragons because there are dragons. Um, I found the time jump as jarring as every as everybody else did. Um, I do like both of the older female uh, actors, especially uh, the woman playing adult Alicent. Um, I, I think Al- the adult Alicent's better than the younger Alicent. Yeah, and I I liked both versions of of Rhaenyra. I liked the young one better, um, but the more the more time we spent with adult Rhaenyra, she grew on me. I I got yeah. more accustomed. You know, it's part of it's just the transition. I, I, th- I um, think I think the younger actress to me was better. Like I just I, I mean I think her face acting was better. I could get, got a lot of her emotions. Sure. I felt at times confusion and young, but I also felt like she's growing into her own and becoming strong. And I saw her determination and I, I got a real, real sense of character with that Rhaenyra. Hmm. And I think this older Rhaenyra, I don't know yet. I mean, I, so far her character building has been with her lines and not her acting per, per se. Oh, okay. Sure, C- sure. Continue on. I, Sorry. I, I, I could see that. Um, and, yeah, and otherwise, for the most part, you know, it's a Game of Thronesy kind of story where you're like, yeah, they're the real, the real monsters here are the people, and there's no, there are no clearly valorous, valiant, whatever word that is, um, you know, there's no overt good guys, bad guys like in classic so Lord of the Rings. The, I think the king was generally pretty good. The series, yeah, the the king. The king was fine. He was, I mean, he, he was, was even very well. The, the peaceful, right? Yeah, he was very well acted, but he was clearly, even from the very beginning, and and the excessive amount of time that his character refused to die, um, yeah. a for the most part pretty weak passive king. Weak is a little too derogatory, but he's a peacetime king, right? He had no, he had never been tested in war. And so was just kind of milk toast. Um, and yeah, so, so that's him. And then, you know, we're clearly supposed to be rooting for Rhaenyra. Um, but she marries Damon, who we're clearly not supposed to be rooting for, but we still kind of do. And then she's in this situation where we all know the king picked her to be his successor and that's how it works because it's a hereditary monarchy and it's bullshit. Um, and then the reason we do root for real quick, Damon is because when push comes to shove at the very end of the day, he still turns around and does like the right thing, quote unquote. Mm -hmm. I I think that's one of the reasons what we still root for Damon is that he does, he's the worst person. And then, when it comes down to the, the line, okay, he does that right thing, even though it's it's never to benefit himself. I mean, it's always usually in the the thing that he's complaining about. Like he wants to be king, and then he ends up bowing the knee, you know, or 
or he, mm. you know, he, he doesn't want to do this one thing. It's bad for him, but he, you know, he becomes King consort anyway, you know? Right. Right. And then, and then we have this situation where, you know, we're rooting for Rhaenyra to become queen and her sons to be aired, except literally everybody knows that her sons are illegitimate. Right. And at the cost of many lives, um, she maintains this 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 lie, this farce, right. this open secret that everybody knows, but no one will say because the king, her father, refuses to uh, consider it at all. Um, and so you're like, is she the hero? I don't really think so. I mean, I, I, I'm just jumping in on these little parts as you go through. Mm-hmm, I, mm-hmm. I, uh, I actually, I actually liked that part about it. I think, um, I thought that was a little well done because it, it, it was, it's very tropey here. This like, oh, it's the, and I'm not using this as a curse word, but the actual word like the bastards, they're, they're bastards mm-hmm. and that makes them bad or wrong or whatever. That's, it's very tropey that, you know, um, royal family will have some bastards and are they, aren't they, you know, we can't say that that's just, I've seen that in so many things, but this one did it. The interesting thing. And I really appreciated they did here was that like, um, uh, her husband's sexual orientation, he's a gay man. And of Mm -hmm. course they can't, he can't be outwardly, you know, um, homosexual and at least not in this thing, not as his position. And, and they, they handled it several times, like at least twice I know of where they, where they both, she was talking to Damon. Renerius was talking to Damon about it, and she and then uh, he was uh, him and her was talking. I can't remember his name. Starts with an L. Uh, they talked to, to each other like they tried. They honestly right. tried. It just wasn't a thing that they can have within them to do. You know, they as they said, they did their princely or their duties as royal people. They tried to have sex, in other words. Um, mm-hmm. But it's I appreciated that they they weren't they didn't make it like bad on him or bad on her, and both of them were totally supportive of each other like the husband and wife or nearest and her husband mm-hmm, mm-hmm, you know yeah. they they supported each other's you know desire to love and to, to to be love and to have relationships and then they you know supported their kids even though it wasn't his kids right and i right. just really liked that part of it that it being illegitimate and that didn't make in my mind make her a bad person because she kind of had her husband's blessing because he was not interested in that and wanted her to be happy. And she was happy. Right. But because yeah. the way this is set up this wor- this right. terrible world of, of bloodlines type stuff, mm-hmm. she has to suffer through that, which in my mind makes her actually a better person. Right. So yeah. I like, I like, yeah, that there's a, I don't, we, do, we don't necessarily have time to go super deep on this, yeah, you're but right. I'm sorry. I did. Um, th- this was a, you know, no, that's, that's fine. Um, the thing, I mean, I definitely enjoyed all of that. It's part of what made it compelling. It's like, oh, everybody knows this, but everyone's afraid to say it because the king wanted not like it made the story, the show compelling. Um, yeah, and the king supported the, her with that. He he knows, right? Uh, I mean, wait, no way, he doesn't know, right? But he still supports the whole. It's her kids type thing, you know. Right, right, and. Um, that's a thing that I sort of questioned and then started to understand the more, um, sort of fantasy stuff that I read and watched, um, Game of Thrones, the original, um, sort of story with, with, uh, Stannis Baratheon and his sons who are also illegitimate and, 
and products of incest, although that in this world is not um, all that big of a deal. And clearly not a big deal on this one. Within within certain reason was not in our medieval history either. Um, and I and I sort of I went through this this period of questioning like Ned Eddard Stark, who is the the one honorable man in Westeros, um, is obsessed with this like the king's heir has to be legitimate. Like it has to be the trueborn son of the king to be and I'm you know, trueborn, quote unquote. Um you know, to be the legitimate next king. And I'm like, but Stannis was not the king like he became king through rebellion when they when when Jamie Lannister slew the prior king king slayer and they killed or exiled or tried to kill all of the targaryens um so that they could usurp the throne so they could become, and I'm like so they all know that someone can be king without uh, a lineage without um hereditary whatever bloodline right um so then why is he so fixated on this like it has to follow this rule as if it's you know well in in our real world we would call it divine right right like the Mm -hmm. i don't i I think that's the right term where you know we we follow these rules because that's how the king like Mm -hmm. he's the king through god right? right it's 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 holy it's sacred um and it it becomes a sort of like society is a set of rules we all agree to right which yeah. is still true today we just agree to different rules and right. in in a setting in our real world setting in the mid middle ages and the renaissance you know all that time everybody agreed this was how we determine the king they justified it with a lot of rules and specificity to say, you know, this is the divine, this is the holy, um, um, you know, uh, uh, not fiat, whatever, um, decree, uh, that this is, this is how the king, but the, what that means in practical terms is that all of the people who have the, the, the option or the ability to challenge, to question the rule of the royal are satisfied with the current situation. Right. And I I'm word, I'm wording that in a weird way, but if there's no question that the King has the quote unquote right to be King, everything's fine. People might not be happy with the king. Maybe the king might be assassinated. But everybody plays within these rules because that's how the system keeps working. Right. If you put someone on the throne that a bunch of people say he's not the real king, he is of illegitimate birth or whatever, then you have very real potential for civil war. Yeah. Right. Where a bunch of nobles on one side can say, that's not the king. We're not supporting the king. And then everybody else says, 
that's treason, and now people fight. And when there's civil war, when there's quote-unquote infighting, then the, the country, the nation, is weak to invasion from outsiders. Yeah. Right? It's like th they have and had all of these like high-minded uh, laws and principles and 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 theological justification for things but so much of it comes down to something very very practical and i was yeah. like okay that i can i don't agree with it but i understand how it worked that way in that time and that was the best way that they knew of to to make that system work right. so, um anyway that's i went i went way off on a topic there uh to get back to the series itself, uh, I liked the ending. It it ended with more weird birth stuff. Um, yeah. Very weird. Um, yeah, the, the, the writers of this clearly want to impress upon them the difficulties of childbirth. I mean, yeah, in a in a pre pre modern they, medicine, they are setting very centered around that in this one. <laughs> they, yeah, yeah. The, the mother and dying, Rhaenyra's two kid scenes. It's like this show is hammering on your head the dangers of, of motherhood back then. Like Yeah, and okay. the other the other major theme is the dragons, right? Like mm -hmm. we've seen dragons in other fiction. They're not used a whole lot because presumably they're tricky, right? Like it's like Superman, right? You've got a thing and what is it what does it mean? Well, in this world, um dragons are kind of like nukes it's like bringing uh you know fighter jets into a yeah. medieval setting right right it's like a it's like a you know a, a 21st century military going up against king arthur right, <laughs> right? right. um yeah. and you know there's been a lot of things like yeah. that and but then you have the aspect of these are these are not really simply weapons they are to a certain extent sentient or mm -hmm. at the very least you know uh animal intelligent yeah animal creatures yeah. um that are maybe just barely controlled and there's a lot of that in game of thrones um less than the the first few chapters lead you to believe um but it comes out in the in the in the last episode there where you're like yeah this these are uh incredibly powerful incredibly dangerous creatures and sometimes the people in charge don't have full control over them yeah. um and they're in some ways almost like nukes, like nuclear weapons. Yeah, I I think my feelings as this is we're wrapping up here the, the topic. I sure. think uh, the my take on the the broad part of of the season um, come down to just a few things. Uh, notes being that it very it drug a lot. It felt like it was drug out, and and I and we're in spoilers, so I can kind of say this. Um, after mm. Game of Thrones ended, I did not read the books. I, I tried, but could not get through the first one even. And um, sure. I went back and tried to find out, because, you know, a lot of Game of Thrones is about history. 
I mean, I think the, the ending of it, whole Danny and John stuff, when that all kind of come together, I went back and was like, okay, what does this all mean? And, and, and the Starks and all that history stuff. So I went back and kind of read some of the, um, you know, the, the wikis on the Game of Thrones history. Mm. So I knew some of this stuff kind of coming into this this series, where it kind of was and where it was centered. And it was it's centered around the Civil War that happened here, right? Um, right. Which, again, we're in spoilers here, so I can talk this one. Um, and it it's a little spoilers, even like for the next couple seasons, I think, because this is centered on the Civil War. I wasn't comfortable saying that online until now, because... If people didn't hadn't known that history, they would know that's where we're headed. But that's where it's where we were headed from the beginning. This series was made to to tell the story of the Civil War, and it's right. like Americans. Let's let's do game. Let's do a, a, a show based on America, but we're going to set it in the Civil War. That's what this is. And this first yeah. season was just prelude to the Civil War, so it's all the background to it. Um, and it just was long. It was it was a lot, a lot of stuff. And I know that that they had a lot to go in there. But they didn't. It just it, several episodes in the middle of it, drug, and it didn't need to be. And it's not really that important. Um, sure. I, so, and it really just felt like, oh, come on. And that for me was that whole drama, family drama thing, which just like constantly groaning and and just move on and move forward. And, and then anything with the kids was even worse. That it got worse with. Um, uh, but I, I know we got to have it. But it just felt like you could chop out two episodes of that. It's it's the Hobbit thing. You're just stretching to a little bit of material mm-hmm. into, into too many, many preset episodes when the story didn't necessarily call for it. Yeah. Um, I wonder how much of that is the result of the latter seasons of Game of Thrones, which one of the largest criticisms levied against those is that they rushed the ending of the story because there were no books left. They're like, well, this is where we have to get. Let's just, um, you know, let's just get there. Well, well, that, that's my second point with this too. Is that, that so they, in, they so do in that. this maybe they they sort of overcompensated the other way, and and it ended up being kind of draggy. Yeah, and and then there's there's the second point here that I had with this one is that the show all the way throughout makes I don't want to call them mistakes, but it seems the same thing. It does the same things that the latter seasons, uh, the last two seasons of the Game of Thrones movie or show did. Is that in the first half it was all things were very long, like. You know, people traveled an entire season to get from one place to the next. Sure. And it was stories that happened on the road. Like, how long was Jamie gone on his little trip, right? right. And he lost his arm and, and met uh, Brown of Tar. Like a long time, right? Man, yeah. uh, but then the last one, they'd say, you should go. You're up in, in you know, uh, Winterfell, and you should go. I need to go visit King's Landing. And then the next uh, scene, they're there, they're right? There, yeah. And and that's this series, all season one hundred percent did that all the time. Mm. Not only did they do that all the time, like they would say, "I'm I need to go to Dragonstone," and they're there. Like the entire army is there at Dragonstone delivering a message, and Otto's there. In one scene, he's in King's Landing, and the next one, he's delivering an ultimatum to to mm. Dragonstone. So they are they want to s- stretch out a lot of drama stuff, but then they just skip over a lot of stuff. And you kind of made a comment earlier that I think is the real reason: it's just money. You know, I think that they want to say they have a ton of money for this show, but they spent it all on CGI and special effects. They didn't want to have location shootings besides the one lo- the locations that they have. And mm-hmm. and they just kind of, you know, contained it to the castle and those sets that they have um, and Dragonstone scenes. And then they did CGI and spent a ton of money on their CGI. 
So a lot of that was probably budgetary, whereas Game of Thrones was on location everywhere the whole time. And they even talked about that taking so long between seasons was because they had to go to, I think it was Poland or places to go out there and shoot on those things. And it made it so interesting and compelling. This is missing that, I think. Um, And and it's a little jarring if they would have had it. They could have drugged some stuff out. Anyway, I just noticed that a lot. They they did the whole time-skipping things. And then they time-skipped a couple times. Uh, again, that was fine because I know they're just trying to tell the pre-story, right? They're just trying to yeah. set you up. I think the most important things here is to set up Rhaenyra and set up Damon, Damon and Rhaenyra, those two, those two characters, and Alicent. Um, the, those are the, mm-hmm. the, the three main things that you needed to set up in this season, and, and that's it. And they did a pretty good job of it. It just took a long time. And then when you got to the last two episodes, probably the last episode, it gets real interesting. Because now they're in the they're in the, they're at the point where they're going to be like okay now we're getting ready to tell the story and we're going to show you where we're going. Um, I I just wish, like I do a lot of these I feel with a lot of these series is I wish that they would not try to save everything for the last, you know to to give you that cliffhanger feeling. Uh, mm-hmm. I wish they would kind of you know spread it out a little bit more. I like the idea of like a civil war starting in the second to the last episode and then you know moving into it so you still want to continue to go on but instead they pack it into the end and it was really cool the dragons are really cool all of a sudden the characters become very out of the shadows type stuff like the the kid with the one eye you know he's now mm-hmm. maniacal crazy person and he's uh the the writing follows suit because they're in a rush to tell the they're they're excited to tell the story they want to tell so they they make all the characters very overt right they made the um, yeah, they they just straight up are becoming who who you know they've been toying with for forever, um, and, and that was fine because I actually liked that. I, it was like so, you know, drawing killing me that that people went and just like he's a he's an asshole. You know, everyone knows he's an asshole. Say he's an asshole. Act like it. Show us he's an asshole. He's an asshole. Everybody knows it, right? And then they finally do, <laughs> and it's like it just it just took so long to get there. Um, sure. The the only exception that I think is Damon, who is a pretty good nuanced character, and I think that's partial writing and partial acting by Matt Smith, um, which I wasn't yeah. a fan of him at the beginning, but uh, because the way his character is written, um, he's a lot more compelling than I thought. Uh, I'm not a fan of the, the different time chip with, jump with characters. It's fine. Um, but yeah, I, I enjoy where we're going. I'm actually more excited about Game of Thrones because I the Civil War is the most interesting part. Uh, mm-hmm. Just like Danny finally getting to to um, the mainland, the Seven that's Kingdoms, gross. that's the part that's interesting, right? That, like all the stuff before is fine, but when she finally gets there, it gets. And unfortunately, they drop the ball when she finally gets there, and it's not very compelling, right? Right, because um, there's no books. Yeah, because because there's no books. Um, but but that's the part that you want to have happen. It's like the the real the money shot, right? When you're when you're when they're finally coming there to do this and the build up. Thankfully, this first season I think is just that build up, and then we're gonna get the next couple seasons living in that civil war of craziness and and stuff, which is exciting to me. I don't know how many seasons this is supposed to be, um, but I know how because of the history of it. I know how where it ends up, mm-hmm. um, and I I bet you they can do it. I'd like to see them do it in three seasons, not seven. Um, right. Because th- further on past that's not terribly interesting in the storyline. 
uh, unless they unless they want to roll you into the Mad King and stuff like that. Uh, but um, this story that they're telling right now should only take about three seasons. So look back on it now, and we're in season eight, and we're like, God, is this thing ever going to end? You can, you can mark my words now. Um, but I hope yeah. I hope they don't do that. I hope they they make they're real successful with next season becoming a big thing. The dragons were amazing. I know it costs a lot of money, but they should be major points in the in the war. Remember the the money train of that episode in um, Game of Thrones? Dragons yeah. attacking the the, the, the troops and the stuff supp- like that. Supply train, yeah. Supply train, yeah. Those are the coolest episodes, right? When you're having big battles happening and dragons attacking, um, and latter seasons of Game of Thrones had a lot of those in spades, and hopefully we'll get a lot of those in in the next couple of seasons because it should. It, it'd, it'd be really cool. I really mm-hmm. hope that the actor for Rhaenyra um, can hang in there is, is the thing. <laughs> um, there's a last shot. I'll leave this last comment on the last shot where her son has been killed. And clearly where the music plays, Damon walks up and tells her she has a moment of sadness and then she gets mad. Right. Um, I thought it was okay. But when she turns and faces the camera and supposed to be like angry and everything, I didn't really, get that it was like oh you're almost there do something with your brow like make your make a grimace or something she really just didn't kind of come come at it like i i was hoping um so we'll we'll see how she hopefully she gets angry and mad and and you know the rainier that we hope she can be uh, so, i mean yeah. maybe she's maybe she's just controlling her her outward expression so that oh she so could be but that's not seriously. fun <laughs> <laughs> nice. right you want somebody who's either like passionate or angry or or sad or you know either. well i mean yeah. meanwhile we have we have allison showing every emotion on her sleeve uh, yeah for sure so uh i i will say that about the show too there's a lot of there's a lot of um season six and seven game of thrones writing going on here too like some things yep. that happen You're is just wrong. nonsensical with like why isn't the queen caught here? Why why do they kill off the the baby daddy and nothing happens? It's just it's just a thing that happened. And yeah. And what what's the whole deal with the guy with the feet? What's the point like any of that stuff? There's a lot of stuff there. It's like I don't <laughs> understand any of these where you're going coming from on some of these writing. Yeah. But, yeah. Um so yeah, I I am very aware that this is not written by Martin. Not that he's a god among Pete writers, but I definitely don't think that. But his writing in the first couple of seasons of Game of Thrones were great, right? They're, they're great characters. Yeah, yeah. So yeah, all right. Game, we're okay. House of the House of the Dragon season one. We're we're, we're running long, so uh, yep. We got well. When that comes back, we'll have more to say. Um, next week, probably uh, in three years. Saint, yeah, three years. Mm-hmm. Um, Saint Vincent is our movie for next week. Saint Vincent. Well, you've been listening to The Front Porch. This is episode 269. Thanks always to our friends at LRM Online. You can check them out for reviews on all things. If you want to reach out to us, reach out to us and tell Michael everything he's wrong about about uh, House of the Dragon. <laughs> you can do that via email. Our address is frontporchpod at gmail.com. If you go to our website, frontporchpodcast.com, you will find contact forms where you can reach out to us that way. Uh, if you enjoy the show, please consider subscribing on the podcatcher of your choice. And while you're there, if you leave us a review, we always appreciate that. It helps us out a lot. 
as always, thanks so much for joining us. Until next time, I'm Dennis. And I'm Michael. From Front Porch. Night, everybody. See you next time. Thank you.